everybody. The Chris's are back, and it is Quest Today's time. It's episode seven, and of course, we are still doing a, well, you know, Elf Quest. That's kind of the point of the show. So uh, I am one Chris, and here is the other. How you doing tonight? Howdy ho, good neighbor. We're doing good. This is uh, Quest Today's After Dark, Christian. It is. It is. It's, it's, cool. it's late night, and uh, yeah, I actually have lights on in my room. I never have lights on in my oh, room, so uh, here we this are. Is- this is when the crazies come out, Chris. The cosplayers. The, the, hour. The, the, the cosplayers. <laughs> I was thinking of cosplaying, but the, even though we're audio, you can picture that I'm dressed as a provocative cutter right now. I, I'm actually a, a mixture of Harley Quinn and Deadpool right now. <laughs> Perfect. No one's I'll ever fit, done that. So I'll original. Everywhere. So uh, original. <laughs> now, before we get into uh, today's issue and today's story here, do we have any. Uh, I think uh, Laurel and Hardy would call it Notes from the Clubs. Do we have any notes from the clubs? We got some notes from the clubs. This is from Richard Peeney himself, and we're talking about the Elf Quest audio movie that we've been mm-hmm. talking about. So they've got a little crowdfunding campaign on the go. Have they given us a this, part yet? Uh, they haven't. Ah. We really need – listen, Richard, <laughs> Richard and Wendy, you really need to get on that. I mean, we are voices <laughs> that need to we be are. heard in these movies. I mean, like we've offered to play anything. We okay. will we'll be rustling of leaves. We'll do whatever. Oh, listen, you, no one blows as hard as we do. That's wait, wait a second. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, let's talk about the ElfQuest. Do you remember when we brought up the ad for the uh, the ElfQuest miniatures? Oh, yes. Yes. Well, check this out. So as a crowdfunding campaign reward, ElfQuest miniatures such as Wolfhead Amulet, the Sending Star Pins, Tribe Patches, uh, signing cards, art prints, and personalized DRM-free digital prints, digital downloads of the actual audio movie and more are going to be available. So you're going to actually be able to get brand new miniatures. Like How it's about a thing that? that's been reborn. So the closing date on this thing is 5 p.m. Pacific, which is a long time away when you're in Newfoundland. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Four and uh, a half hours behind you. Yes, on September 30th. So listen. Go pledge some stuff. Get yourself some of those uh, crazy rewards, man, because I would love me some miniatures. I don't know about you. Absolutely. I, I got to wonder if uh, if when you rose that question in the group there, if it inspired this uh, this reward tier. I would I would like to think that that's exactly I'm, what happened. I, I think it is. I think you could definitely take the credit for that one for sure. Do you think that they're hanging on our every word, like every word? Maybe we can put some stuff in the universe like a mm. – Eight episode Netflix animated. <laughs> oh, wait a second. <laughs> wait, okay. Like nobody's ever pitched that before. I'm sure. I'm sure. I, this is the first anybody's ever heard of that. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. But today, uh, we are going to continue with uh, the origin of uh, Cutter's chieftainship here. This is how Cutter became the chief. And this is, of course, we're doing the Marvel epic stuff. This is ElfQuest number seven. Had a February 1986 cover date. The story is called Voice of the Sun. S-U-N, not S-O-N. But I guess we could play it both ways since Cutter is the son of Bearclaw. Uh, by Wendy and Richard Peeney with colors by Glynis. Epic edits by Archie and Joe. E-I-C is Shooter. Cover price, 75 cents American. One dollar Canadian. They got the dollar out of us. We're no they longer your 95 money. cents. Yeah, they we got are, your folding money. They got our folding money. You know, we got <laughs> rid of the uh, the dollar. Like a like a long time ago, we rolled into a loony. So so we're 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 spending loonies now. There's no more paper. We used to have a paper dollar bill and a two dollar bill. How about okay. 
Yeah. We had two dollar bills. Uh, now they're just like kind of collector's items out here. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, we we as far as I know, we still have dollars. I went to the bank yesterday and asked for small bills, and she asked if that included ones, and I said no. Oh. But Listen, uh, you you haven't lived until you gotten loonies. You need a <laughs> got, you need a loony and a toonie. That's what you need. That's do the, they have birds on it. Is that a bird? Yeah, that's a bird. It's a loon. Okay. Okay. Loony, get it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a Canadian out of you yet, Sheehan. Uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. I, <laughs> I lived only a few hundred miles from there, so uh, one of these days. I, and I did uh, I did have poutine um, a couple of years ago up in Seattle. So perfect. So so, there, so there's a um, a pronunciation war about poutine because mm-hmm. in Quebec the French pronunciation is poutine. Poutine. Putin. So I you, he was you, a Russian. <laughs> He's that crazy Russian. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, it's uh, in uh, the. So there's two ways to say it in Canada: Putin mm. or Poutine. Okay. Now we have Putineries here in Newfoundland, so I'm I'm going with the Poutine because that sounds better for me. There you go. And what do you usually get on that? Like you don't know what you don't know what poutine is. Well, what I I, I got some in uh, up in Snoqualmie Falls in Washington, and yep. it was uh it was French fries with uh with like a gravy and carnitas on it. And carnitas. they asked if I wanted they asked if I wanted cheese curd on it, and I said Bleh. so. Yeah, uh, no, it's cheese that. curds. It's, so okay. it's it's cheese curd. Uh, basic poutine is cheese curds with uh yeah a special poutine gravy. It's like an orange <laughs> orangey tangy sauce. It's really mm. good. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I would be but, down to try it, except for the cheese curd. But they have uh, when we have a thing called. If you ever come to Canada, go to a place called Smokes Poutinery. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they have elaborate poutine. So they take it to the next level. So you can get, you know, vegetarian poutine. You can oh, get wow. cheeseburger poutine, nacho poutine, taco grande. Oh, Christopher, <laughs> you have not lived. You have not lived until you've had this. That's all let's I, I we we should uh, we should talk about some ElfQuest, I guess. I think we probably ought to. We probably <laughs> ought to. Yeah. Now we pick up um, pretty much right where we left off last time, but of course with a couple of pages of Marvel catch-up material to introduce potential new readers. This is the shooter way, the Marvel way. Let's and talk about so, the cover. Oh yes, absolutely. The cover here is uh, it's it's a good cover. It's a, it's it actually tells us what's happening inside the book, and it's a uh, when. I, ElfQuest was the first book that I ever got in back issues. So these covers like absolutely tickled me when I saw them, you absolutely. know, because I had read these in the complete ElfQuest trades or, and seeing these little bits here that, you know, you don't usually see in a collected edition. Now, of course they were collected in the back, but they were in black and white. It was different. So seeing these is, is really, really cool. What we have here is a uh, cutter and skywise um, uh, playing rodeo clowns kind of. They are. They're herding. They're herding zwoots. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm telling you, look at. I mean, Cutter is riding his wolf right in the right in the foreground of the mm-hmm. panel. You got poor old uh, Skywise, and he's got the. Uh, he, he's trying his darn best to slow down that animal. I mm-hmm. guarantee you. But he is being pulled like a like a crazy man. But one of the cool things about this entire cover, like you said, it tells you what's happening inside the comic. You know that big stampede that they they encounter right at the very end of. The- but that corner box, that corner box is molten lava, man. Mm-hmm. It's it's got Cutter and his wolf up in the corner, the signature. But they have like a red and uh, yellow, almost fire like backdrop. Oh, yeah. and it's it's beautiful, man. It absolutely is. It absolutely it. is. It's it just another another wonderful cover here. I don't Speak- know if it's quite as good as number six, but it's it's a good. No. One. 
But uh, now you said we picked up exactly where we left off. So mm-hmm. uh, this first page is this brand new material. I do believe it is. I do believe it is here because here it's a uh, things are restated, right? We're at the howl yeah. and of in honor of Bearclaw, Cutter's father and predecessor as chief of the Wolf Riders. And uh, we learn a little, we're, we're reminded anyway, how Bearclaw and a number of Wolf Riders were killed by a creature called Mad Coil, which yes. led to Cutter taking over as chief. And also how the remaining Wolf Riders worked together in order to try and trap the beast. That's our new material. But then we get into our regular resumption of the story. And uh, we're back in flashback land as Cutter hurls a stone into Mad Coil's lair to lure him <laughs> out. And, uh... Well, that prompts a pretty quick response from the demon beast. And Cutter lures it back toward where he and the wolf riders fashion together that giant net. And no sooner does he pass under it than the elves lower the boom. And Mad Coil is trapped. Now, Cutter climbs the writhing critter, poises to slam New Moon in its eye, and, well, he, he does. So, uh, Mad Coil be dead. I, I hate to point this out, but listen, if... Uh... If Bearclaw just did this in the first place, got everybody together, rounded <laughs> up the posse, and just took care of Mad Coil, we wouldn't have this issue. But instead, he's dead, his wife is dead, and mm-hmm. now he's put his son in this position, <laughs> so he's put everybody in danger. Plus, Mad Coil is, is almost too easily dispatched here for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. We never really truly got a fight out of him. He gets the net over him, Ewok style, yeah. and they just... Put him away right away. And I mean, this is the thing that killed Cutter's parents. He's got and, uh, like a he's got like a death wish for this thing. He wants revenge. And it's just like, oh, he's dead. Boom. That was very, very quick. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I mentioned, uh, the first time I read this was in a collected edition. So it was like, I don't know, maybe the pacing was different when it was collected. But uh, in reading this, it's like we just open the book and it's over. Yeah. You know, we had the cliffhanger and now it's just done. So are are a, you a, uh, a Charles Bronson fan? I've seen some Charles Bronson. Okay. I need you to watch one called 12 to Midnight, where he's stalking mm-hmm. a serial killer who, now get this, remind me if you heard this, maybe have possibly killed his wife and his daughter. <laughs> that, I think that's every Charles Bronson. <laughs> it's, it's new, Chris. Anyway, <laughs> so the thing about this serial killer is that he kills people in the, you know, in the, in, uh, in the night, you know, around mm-hmm. midnight, completely naked. Ooh. Yes. With bits dangling. Anyway, <laughs> right at the, to bring this all together, right to this thing, we're talking about an easy kill. So Bronson is charging him down. Finally, he gets this guy in his sight and he's laughing at Charles Bronson because he knows that he's not going to kill him or he thinks he is because, you know, Bronson's like a, like a beat cop guy and he knows <laughs> his, he's, he's not a killer. Cold so he's it. basically mocking fun of him and saying, you know, I'm going to continue to do this. There's not a damn thing you can do about it. And Bronson picks up the gun and he goes, oh, no, you won't. <laughs> and that's how the movie ends. <laughs> You're like, what? This entire time. <laughs> And that's what we get. And that's what we get here with Cutter and Mad Goyle. That's true. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> dead. All dead. Now, uh, <laughs> Tree Stump, he's quite pleased. He, he congratulates yeah. the boy chief on saving the tribe and also getting his vengeance on the, for those lost. But this is where Cutter ends his tale. Well, so we're back in the present here. But uh, Nightfall, uh, well, she wants to take it upon herself to continue the story a little bit here. She talks about how Cutter himself is doing things with the Wolf Riders that Bearclaw would have never dreamed of. 
And she asks that while they do howl for Bearclaw this night, they should also howl for Cutter himself. And so they do. Mm, looks like our boy, yeah, our boy Cutters has them all buying the old snake oil here, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one mad coil. I mean, he kills mad coil. Mm-hmm. And I guess this is the one thing he's just going to squeeze that lemon for eternity now. Yeah. Remember when I killed that mad coil and just live <laughs> off that legend forever? You know, the one hit wonder, right? He scored gonna... four touchdowns in a single game. Cue <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, Bruce Springsteen's glory days every single time he talks about it. Remember that mad coil? <laughs> no. Off to the side, Lita is still eavesdropping on the event and, uh, is more conflicted than ever at this point, um, feeling as though perhaps she misjudged the savage elf who has been wooing her. And, uh, well, she scurries back to the village, and, well, she doesn't go unnoticed. Tree Stump, he actually uh, sees her flee and uh, gives the camera a knowing smirk. Oh, no, this is very cool. So a mm-hmm. really, really cool moment. I mean, you know, the only ones who are not seeing the whole Lita color story play out basically are Cutter and Lita themselves. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, everybody knows what's happening. Tree Stump especially knows that, you know, these kids are, you know, Lita's playing the the long game and Cutter's playing, you know, the defeated soldier. You know what I mean? In, in mm-hmm. the in the game of love. But they all know that this is all going to work out. So, you know, when you get to see Tree Stump and that little smirk he gets, he goes, oh, yeah, this is Mm -hmm. all playing out exactly how it should. You know what I mean? Absolutely. This game of love. And they really, really do a good job of of showing Lita on the side of the cliff, just longing and looking on. She's completely into this story that's being told Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, just enraptured. And all of a sudden she's. She's stunned that someone sees her and she just scurries off. It's pretty cool. I love that. That's that's that little subtle moments that are absolutely Absolutely. And uh, and Tree Stump, he'll he'll kind of hint later on that, you know, not to worry, but he doesn't tell Cutter everything, which is the good play, the right play. Yes, I it is the right play. Now, in the days that follow, the Wolf Riders become more acclimated to life in the desert. And uh, we watch as Red Lance does his best Beth Neon impression in uh, causing a seedling to sprout, much to the shock of Minya, a Sunfolk farmer. Now, let me let's do a little bit of ElfQuest history. So mm-hmm. Red Lance was in the desert, correct? He is. Yes. He he was stuck, like he was left because he could not continue on, and his woman chose mm-hmm. to stick by his side. Correct? This is true. This is true. He was dying of thirst, Christian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Could not make it. Nobody could save Red Lance. <laughs> oh, he's full of woe, but yet he has this power. Could he not have used <laughs> this little power in the desert and drank some plant moisture? Or is he just yeah, milking this, you know, yeah. yeah, this is a guy, he's he's that lech, you know what I mean? So he's just milking his woman to go make him a sandwich. This is, <laughs> he's, a, he's a predator, this, uh, this red lance. <laughs> I mean, he's completely useless. He's got to be useful somehow. Um, I guess plants. he's a, He makes plants. <laughs> his predatory status makes him of use. Uh, but yes, you have a very good point here. I, he could have done something. And he didn't. He um, didn't. And, Instead, he made it so his his woman had to share the last bit of water with him. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Red Lance. <laughs> There's another one for the good guys. Now, uh, we join Skywise and Sun Toucher up at the Bridge of Destiny, where the latter comes every morning to greet the rising sun. Well, Skywise asks why Ol St never asked Lita's uh, never used Lita's incredible healing powers to give him back his eyesight. Yeah, and we're gonna see a lot of um, a lot of times in this book where Lita could have used her healing powers, but she doesn't pull them out all the time. So yeah. I just want to know what's up with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's mm. plus there's plenty of elves that that you know 
they have tons of unique abilities. We saw one guy, you know, uh, basically he can make plants. You got, you know, we got people who can do sending. We got all this stuff. We got visionaries. We got healers, you know, ones that can grow things with their minds. We have telepaths. Mm-hmm. We basically got the X-Men here. We do. Let's, we let's do. be fair. You know, think about it. I mean, they're all, you know, rolling together to kill Mad Coil. If they put all these powers in tandem, I mean, you got like your Strike Force Moratory mm-hmm. or your uh, your X-Men right here. Really? In in theory. It's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah it's very uh, it's very superhero tropey, oddly enough. It's it's it interesting. But it is funny that Lita doesn't use her powers all the time. Um we're going to find out much, much later that uh, she's going to have a little bit of a fear. Uh, and, you yes. know, it might not even be in our purview. It might be in during the Siege of Blue Mountain uh, that that happens, you know, after the epic run where she worries. She sees what happens when someone abuses their power and, right. and fears that she might become the same way if she relies on it uh, quite as much as this other person who we will eventually meet does. And, uh, yeah, but here... I mean, she doesn't know her yet. She doesn't. I mean, this exactly. other person. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, it's interesting. Now, <clears throat> now, Skywise, of course, he asks uh, Lita's father why he doesn't just get his sight back. And uh, Sun Toucher says uh, well, he gets one. He gives us one of those cliche. I don't need eyes to see sort of replies. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I see more without. Yes, I see more without my eyes. Uh, and he also refers to the sun as the day star, which tickles Skywise greatly. And he wonders if every star in the sky might actually be a sun. And Sun Toucher gives a knowing smile, just like a tree stump did just a few pages ago. Right. Now, back to the Wolf Rider's cave, and the chatter in the scuttlebutt is all about Cutter. And how he is so distraught over this recognition situation that he hasn't eaten nor slept in days. Yep, this boy's, this boy's fallen hard. He is. He is struck. Now, uh, One Eye and Clearbrook, well, they're not happy about any of this, and they are, they're, they're sort of, uh, they're not necessarily elders of the tribe, but they are, they are of the older end right. of the spectrum, um, at least in as far as the Wolf Riders are concerned. Now, Young Scouter mentions that Cutter told him that recognition feels like he, like you're sitting on a thorn bush. Oh, what? Hey, we, we've all got our fetishes, right? I mean, <laughs> we ain't here to judge. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, now, Scouter, he hopes he never has to go through it. And Dushine agrees. Yeah. And, uh, well, we will get yeah. to her recognition <laughs> woes before long. Don't you worry one bit. Yes, we will. <laughs> now, in any event, the younglings seem to be more in favor of choosing your partner than being assigned one. So we have some generational schism here, which totally makes sense. Now, they cite Redlands and Nightfall having a love mate union, which is to say they're not recognized and that Nightfall actually, for whatever reason, chose to be with Redlands, which yikes. Oh, man, you talk about a low bar there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's the unemployed guy that, that, <laughs> that comes to your door with your daughter. He's got like those awful like spacer earrings in, you know what I mean? The droopy ears and your daughter brings him home to meet the parents. And all of a sudden that guy walks in the door. He's looking at Chris. He's looking at the other Chris. And we're just going, nope, <laughs> get up, out. Simple as that. That's Bye, it. Red Lance. You're done. <laughs> yes. And, and did you grow those flowers for my daughter? No. <laughs> mm. Yes, sir. <laughs> now, outside. Um, now, oh, 
but oh, sorry, I'm back. lost my spot here. Um, now Moonla- Moonshade, she says that she hopes Lita eventually comes around to Cutter's to just realizing the realities of recognition. Yes. To which our favorite curmudgeon Strongbow says, "Screw it, Cutter should just take the brood. You know, oh, no ooh. questions asked here. After all, recognition is recognition. No ifs, ands, or buts about it." Yeah, I mean, listen, man, the early part of ElfQuest, we know, and we've spoken about it's very much making a statement, uh, almost against, like, arranged marriage, but, you know... Mm-hmm. They, 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 yeah, yeah they, they push like having personal choices. Like it's a yeah. real dominant theme here, really. Mm-hmm. You know, the independence of women is, is, I mean, it's the central narrative. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, it has to be important to Wendy Peeney herself because she spends so much time on it mm-hmm. and it really works for these characters because sure. I mean, uh, you know, that conviction that, you know, they're going to break tradition that, you know, everything is not going to be as we're, we're told to do, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And Cutter and Lita, as we see, as they grow through and they become, you know, where they become in the, uh, the lore of the, of the elves and their stature, uh, you know, they're going to break tradition along the way. And they're going to yeah. set a new, like a new, uh, a bar for the, mm-hmm. for the elves to live on. And, and, you know, this is the start of it. So, you know, this is a real, real strong statement early on. in Elf Absolutely. West. It certainly is. Yeah. And I just love that. It is, it's, it's so realistic in that, you know, yeah. the younger kid, the younger characters, you know, like the younger half of the Wolf Riders say are the ones who are really just question like, why do like, why does recognition matter? Why? Why do we just give in? And, you know, we have our curmudgeonly older folks who are just like, that's what I did. And that's what you'll do. That's just exactly. the way it is. So it's it's very, very cool. Uh, and, and such a uh, relatable sort of a take there. Now, uh, outside, Cutter and Lita talk for a little bit, and Cutter does this sort of pitiful thing where he has, like, (laughs) he's got, like, these two sad little handfuls of water, and he joins them together into one to show Lita how, you know, they ought to be, you know, you're one hand, I'm the other, and look, we're together, it's just one water now. And we gotta ask here, if anybody in the real world has ever tried this to woo a partner, please let us know how that went. No judgment. We just want to know. No. That, that, that's, that's a good one. So off topic, <laughs> off topic. Like I, I am not a drinker. Okay. okay. I, I do not consume the alcohol. Same so here. When, when, when I first met my wife, we happened to be in a bar. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't drink. She's an extremely low casual drinker. She may carry it around and sip maybe. Mm-hmm. So one of my friends decided it was in in their, uh, you know, I had to have, you know, I had to play the role. So okay. that person bought me a beer to carry so I could talk and impress my wife. What do you think of that? <laughs> that, that, was, that was my thing. Carry the beer. Don't actually drink it. It's more or less a prop. So, <laughs> you know, just, when, yeah, when, it's just a prop. When, so, you know, when you talk about Cutter here using the two handfuls of water to show the one, I was basically doing the same with my one beer, Chris. <laughs> There you go. And it worked. <laughs> it did work. It did Cutter work. Right. <laughs> now, in, in any event here, Lita doesn't seem to be arguing the recognition aspect of their relationship anymore. But, I mean, she, she says, okay, we are recognized, but questions what good recognition is without love. Mm. Ah, see, so, see, she's starting her walls are starting to come down. Mm-hmm. This, is the, this is the trick here before it was complete denial. I ain't yeah. having nothing to do with this savage. He came out of nowhere. You know, he, he kicked my man to the curb. He's, he's off collecting <laughs> the stuff somewhere else, <laughs> but now she's starting to, okay. She's starting to accept certain yeah. things about this stuff. So there mm-hmm. you go. 
Exactly. Now, Cutter then goes to whisper in her ear before being interrupted by the arrival of Lita's much funner sister, Shen Shen. Yes. yes. I mean, even her name is funner to say, Shen Shen. <laughs> I could say that a hundred times. Now, she announces that uh, she's off to collect lizard eggs before it gets too hot. And to which Cutter stomps away. Oh, man. Listen, Shen Shen is funny because she's like the she's a super fun character. Like you said, she's fun. She's easygoing. She's that little sister who loves torturing her big sister and just being like like almost antagonistic, like every annoying, basically, you know what I mean? Just a pain in the butt. Yeah, just a pain in the butt. And such a great, great touch because it makes these little story plots and the relationships in the book seem a lot more real. You know what I mean? It's just these little fun. So you got like the annoying sister who's just constantly jabbing these two clearly in love. Yeah. And she's (laughs) she's getting great pleasure out of it. So Shen Shen is very cool. It's indeed, indeed. Now, Nightfall sees this go down and she approaches Lita for a chat. Now, it would appear that out of all the Wolf Riders, Nightfall and Lita are actually friends, which, I mean, it stands to reason because yeah. Lita, Lita did save Nightfall's useless love mate. <laughs> which is true, yes. <laughs> Nightfall, listen, seems to be the icebreaker of the group. I mean, yeah. after all, I mean, the Wolf Riders came in on the Sunfolk. I mean, they literally crashed their home, mm-hmm. never said sorry for anything. Yeah. And it's just good to see that some folks are making the best out of the situation, which is sure. like we see here with Nightfall and Lita, which is, which is cool. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's really cool to see, you know, they're 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 it's like the Red Rover, Red Rover, you know, they're crossing yeah. over and they're 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 kind of meeting up here. Now, Lita asked Nightfall exactly what a soul name is and what a soul name means. But before Nightfall can answer, there be a rumbling. Uh Oh, mm-hmm. now Skywise from on high howls for Scouter to join him atop the bridge of destiny so that they might use his precious peepers to see what's causing the ruckus. Now, apparently this duty used to fall to Ryak before he went away. And so (laughs) Scouter squints into the distance and discovers that there's a stampede of Zwoots coming right for Sorrow's End. And Zwoots, by the way, are those ugly horse camel things. Um, Well, on on the cover, which is funny, Mm -hmm. um, one of the Zwoots actually looks like a legit horse just looks like a horse yeah like, like it's like it's literally a legit horse it, mm-hmm. it and it's quite different when we see them in the book to be quite oh, yeah. honest with you because they're they're a camel uh a camel like horse a hybrid. hybrid like you yeah. said yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's very, really very really weird. interesting choice yeah yeah now as the beasts approach the sun folk seem to go into like a procedural evac mode here because well, we're about to find out this isn't the first time that this has happened to them. <laughs> now, this is hilarious because uh, because, I mean, when you get to see the uh, the expression on the on the Wolf Riders, especially when they find out this wasn't the first time that this mm-hmm. happened, they're like Norm Macdonald. They're like, this is ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> it's true. It's you know what true. I mean? They can't believe that this has happened so many times and they just let it happen without doing it. Yeah. 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 We're cool. We'll, you know, destroy our entire crop. We're good. Yeah. We'll, we'll eat next year. <laughs> it's okay. Now, now, Minya, Red Lance's new friend, suggests that everybody get to the caves to avoid being stampeded. And, uh, well, speaking of the caves, let's head over there to join a frustrated cutter as he snaps a stick. And, uh, no, that's not a euphemism, and shame on you for thinking it was. Now, uh, Tree Stump is there too, and he suggests to cutter that, you know what? It ain't all as bad as you think. And what's more, he has a sneaking suspicion that Lita will come around. And, I mean, we don't need to remind you, he did see that she was eavesdropping on the howl just a few nights back. Correct. 
Yeah, now, the two fellows are then alerted to the goings-on outside, and Lita's more fun sister, Shen Shen, somewhat calmly tell, starts to tell Cutter about what's about to go down. Now, she's interrupt, interrupted by a far more frantic scouter who is very doom and gloom about the coming stampede. Skywise attempts to be logical about this and, oddly, doesn't even mention the lodestone once. Oh, that was an editorial mistake. Clearly, he <laughs> wanted to speak about it. <laughs> Jim Shooter, what did you do? Um, <laughs> no, the way Skywise figures, it's hot out there, and there's no way a Zwoot can maintain its stamina long enough to do any real damage if and when it may arrive at the village. And, uh, well, some of these sunfolk, you know, they flirt, they, they, they giggle in his direction like, oh, you silly boy. You do not know what you speak of. <laughs> and uh, Skywise is too busy smirking at the attention he's receiving from some pretty girls to even react to what it is they're actually saying. And a uh, Sunfolk stable boy brings out one of their tamed boots and comments that uh, these hammerheads don't stop. Not until they run into something that they can't trample. And uh, Minwa mentions that the last time this happened, they lost all their crops. Then, like you said, Cutter's like, last time? <laughs> you know, that's... Uh, <laughs> Huh. Uh, Sun Toucher tells Cutter that the only reason they have a handful of t- tamed boots to begin with was due to Ryak and his amazing powers. Ah, this is another case. So when you talk mm-hmm. about Ryak's place in the group, this is interesting. So Ryak has staked his claim on the fact that he was in, an important provider of protection, oh, yeah. you know, with his power that he possessed because he was able to manipulate and, you know, basically mind control things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we saw it a little bit earlier when he had the boar. So he convinced yep. the boar to stop and he ended up stabbing it. But he he stopped it with his powers. You know what I mean? So if he is able to control the will of these Zwoots, mm-hmm. you know, why did he not do the same to Cutter upon his arrival with the Wolf Riders? What do you think of that? Hmm. Why did he just let that happen? Why didn't he try to manipulate the gang? Hmm. That's that's an interesting question. What's I that? never even thought of that. I never yep. even thought of that. Because you? you'd have to assume that he could do it if he wanted to. Is, is it a certain beast of, um, say, a low intelligence, a low intellect that can be influenced and not somebody of, you know, equal brain power, Maybe. we'll say? Maybe. I, I I wonder. I want maybe we'll find out as we continue. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now, in om- in owning some of these woots, the Sunfolk have learned a lot more about them here. Uh, tamed, they're useful, but wild, they are unstoppable. And uh, Cutter is pretty incredulous that the Sunfolk would just let these bees destroy everything they've built and suggest that, you know what, there must be a way to stop them. And Lita overhears this and uh, coyly asks if Cutter would recommend using a net. Hmm. Where did we see this before? I wonder. I wonder. Hmm. (laughs) In any event, Cutter vows that he and the Wolf Riders will run off the Zwoots. And what's more, hey, when they return, they'll have an oodle of fresh meat to eat. uh, (laughs) They ain't cocky if you back it up. Yeah, it's true. And our our smelly friend Pike looks up at the hills and he points out that the uh, Wolf Riders wolves are coming out of their niches and they are ready for action. Now, speaking of which, Lita sees Dushine coming out of a hut with a bunch of ropes. She tells Dushine that she probably shouldn't be going with the rest of the to the of the crew here to try to stop the Zwoots because that's not a maiden's place. You know, going on a hunt is not what a maiden does. To which Dushine's all, well, why not? And exactly. Lita, Lita cannot come up with an answer, and so Dushine literally shames her, like shame, shame, shame. Uh, Lita is left all kinds of speechless and then her then tells her mother that she wishes she could have convinced young Dushine to stay behind. Leet's mom asks if Lita would have recommended using a net. 
Zing. <laughs> Dirty. It's true. Minutes later, the Wolf Riders prepare to leave. Uh, Skywise gives Cutter a hood that he'd gotten from Lita in order to protect his head from the brutal desert sun because, uh, well, he's hot-headed enough already. And so, after waiting for the perfect opportunity to rush into action, they do exactly that. And over the course of a single page, the Wolf Riders cause the Zwoot Stampede to turn away from Sorrow's End. I always thought this was crazy. So mm-hmm. we started out with Mad Coil, which lasted exactly two panels. Yes. <laughs> got the net thrown of them. You got these Zwoots that have been rampaging the poor old sun folks, destroying mm-hmm. their crop, you know, intimidating the people, making them flee. They're dispatched in one page. Mm-hmm. I mean, the sun folks have been relying on Rayak and Cutter. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm Rayek, and, you know, Cutter and the Riders dispatch the Zoots that easily. Yeah. This is just another, another chip out of the pocket of Rayek. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He's being emasculated on every step, and they Wolf Riders and Cutter again have showed that, you know, this guy has been, you know, probably laying it on a little bit thick. These things yep. weren't, weren't hard to control at all. It's true. It's true. And uh, that's where we end the issue. So we, uh, we get a pretty clean ending here where... The threat and has been neutralized and averted, and uh, we move on to new things next time. So, uh, what, what do you think about this one here? I mean, this—I mean, we've talked about how the how these books fit into the Marvel method here—the the epic, the twenty pages instead of the thirty whatever pages. Yeah. This one feels like it kind of suffered from it. This, this like particular said, chapter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like we start off. We're, we're, we're still in the Mad Coil story, and it ends like that. Right. It, it, it almost – well, you know what? It almost seeks a balance here because you're mm-hmm. sort of contrasting the two. So, you know, we were able to decipher that, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to try to stop these things with the net. We've already seen that when you work together there you that go. we can accomplish this. We can take it down. So That's a great point. It's, it sort of plays out because you've got that continuity between the issues here. That's a good point. In, yeah. in one story. So, you know, you're going and it's Lita, the person who brings up the fact maybe we should use a net mm-hmm. when it was Cutter she's who made that link. decision before. Yep. So she's the link. Mm-hmm. So that's what I really liked about this. And both gotcha. were dispatched easily. So Very quickly. Yeah. It makes sense. And I really, really love this splash page at the end. It's it's one of those things where you get to see the wolf riders and, you know, they're riding on the back of the wolves. And, you oh, know, they're jubilant. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I just love that page, man. Just so, it's so excellent. nice. Absolutely. Excellent. Now, that is, of course, our story, but it's not the end of the issue. Of course, we uh, unlike Strikeforce Moratory, ElfQuest got letters. Hey, hey. we're going to talk about some letters here. These are the quests and answers. And we're going to start with Todd in Virginia. And he starts off by comparing ElfQuest to Lord of the Rings. I don't I don't see it. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? How possible? Hobbits are are completely different people. It's true. It's true. Now, uh, he would like to see Cutter go solo. Do do what exactly? <laughs> maybe, maybe they're gonna send him to Madripoor. I, oh no, <laughs> no, not drawn by Wendy uh, Wendy Peeny at all. It's now John by drawn by John Buscema. Can you picture no, that? No, no, terrible. Oh and, my uh, God, Chris, I gotta I gotta tell you something. Sure, you have to do a Google search for mm. Cutter by Rob Liefeld. Oh no. <sighs> Oh no! Okay, Cutter, Elfquest, Rob, Liefeld. Oh no! Oh my no! Prepare it's... your eyes. Prepare your eyes, Christian. 
Are you seeing it? No. Wait, wait. No. I'm seeing like Tumblr stuff here. Um, <laughs> where is it? Where is it? I'll have to share it with you. I, yes. I, I, I will. I will not. Uh, I will not. Uh, it, it came from the from the ElfQuest group. Somebody posted it, and it is. Uh, it's a sight to be to behold. Oh and, boy, uh, I can't know, wait. Your your vision will be impacted. Does Does Cutter have broccoli floret hair? He has. He is one hundred percent Rob Liefeld. Let Let me tell you that. Oh boy, that is that. That's. I, I don't know that we belong in the same planet as that. That is a, <laughs> that's a whole higher plane of uh who boy. Yeah. One of these, I'm going to have to check that out as soon as I can find it. So good. So good. Uh, no, uh, Todd here, he continues and he would like to see the elves take revenge on man. Hmm. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> wait for it. Uh, mm-hmm. Wait for it because baby that's coming. Now, RP suggests that Todd woke up a tad too bloodthirsty this morning and says, hey, how about um, how about you wait until we get to issue number 20 to talk some more about revenge? So uh, I think mm. that's a, a good piece of advice, sir. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We got Joseph in New York here, and he says ElfQuest is superb and wonders if there'll be any new villains introduced. <laughs> mm. To which RP laughs ominously. And he just said, well, now, isn't that cute? <laughs> because, yep, the villains, they are a-coming. You just got to just gots to be patient. You just got to winnow away your time. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> we got Mark in Ohio, and he noticed in the Indicia that this is ElfQuest Volume 2 and says, hey, what the hell's that all about? God, to, which, to be honest with you, I thought, what the hell is that all about as well? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, it's true, because, I mean... I mean, Marvel doesn't do volumes anymore in their indices. If they did, it would be ridiculous. And it, but it would also be very helpful because, I mean, I think we're on Punisher volume 13 right now. Jesus. Which is, yeah, ridiculous. Ooh. But they don't do that anymore. So <laughs> RP says that, uh, you know, this is technically, I guess, the second volume since the first volume is the original Warp Graphics run. Uh, okay, hold on here now. We're going to start shooting holes in old... Uh... <laughs> In old Richard's theory here. So so the epic run are mm-hmm. reprints, are they not? Are they yes. not? They're, they they're colored reprints, right? Mm-hmm. They so are. is he leaving out the fact that the Starblaze editions, which mm-hmm. are basically trade editions of the original books, which are also colored reprints, are they not a volume? Hmm. So what's our criteria, Mr. <clears throat> Sheehan? Tell me. I don't know. Would this make the epic run the volume third three? volume? Hmm. In theory, using 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 that those metrics, logic, yeah, yeah, for using sure. that logic, it is. Yeah, because I mean, these are these are just the volume one stories being told again. So exactly. Now this yeah. these have new pages. So if that's the criteria yeah. where the the new pages make it a new volume, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I guess we can take that for but, sure. But but it's not. It is definitely not the first time that these things have had a run. So you know, no. this is easily the third run of this book. For sure, for sure. If, and, and unless you're including the international versions, which is another whole bag of oh lemons. lordy. Yeah, so. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> uh, next up, we got Tracy in Illinois, and uh, Tracy says that they like ElfQuest so much because it's not like any other comic book. No superheroes, no laser guns, no yada, yada, yada. And uh, this one's clearly looking to get a reaction and response, but uh, doesn't. 
<laughs> to, to be let's be fair let's be fair so if you're reading the epic run mm-hmm. it's not actually super different from the other things epic is producing at the time i mean there's That's a true. there's an abundance of like quest style books that are happening at this time mm-hmm. you know plus you got your conan the barbarian you got his you know consecutive knockoffs you know For that sure. are doing these type of stories that were even before elf quest so you know mm-hmm. from this perspective the of the elf per se you know what i mean so i mean you got all these it, it's it's there's a lot of similarities going on in in at comics at this time. Mm-hmm. Now when the when they were first released you know released by Warp yeah you could say this was a little something different. It was the spin on the barbarian theme. It was the spin on the fantasy book. Sure. But uh, at this particular time during the epic run, it's pretty close to what was happening. A lot of mm-hmm. people were taking these themes. Absolutely, and and I think a lot of them were doing it just because this was the first time that uh, comics really afforded you the opportunity to do it. You know, you could do your creator-owned stuff. You could do the stuff that's a little bit off the beaten path from, you know, uh, shooting lasers out of your eyes and yeah. flying at the speed of, you know, faster than a speeding bullet. It's uh, I just like that this letter is, like, really, really riding, uh, riding the crotch here. And it's like, uh, <laughs> please, please respond. Please respond. Yeah, and yeah, yeah that, that's all it is. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're trying to milk the cow here. Please with retweet one. me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Next up, we got Paul, who's also in Illinois. And uh, before we get into his uh, his missive here, got to ask: Is anyone else uh, tired of hearing from letter hacks who want there to be an ElfQuest movie? Man, this would make a great Netflix. Uh, never mind. Uh, no. <laughs> that being said, you know, you know, I would love to see the OG Quest in animated form, multi part cartoon. I, I think it would definitely work. I think mm-hmm. even the Saturday morning cartoon treatment would have uh, would have been pretty decent with with Elf Quest back sure. in the day. I think I think we would have soaked that up like a sponge, man. For sure, for sure. And uh, yeah, so Paul, he, he's another, he's another. Um, <laughs> RP says to join the Elf Quest fan club in Poughkeepsie for all the details. Yep, and I mean, you can get it all. You can have that uh, membership certificate and mm-hmm. some stationery. Maybe a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. And, and then uh, Richard Peeney also says to wait about 30 years and join something called a Facebook. <laughs> we don't know what that means. That's, um, a, that's a whole other uh, <laughs> cantle of fish, sir. Yes, indeed. Uh, next, we got Dave in Michigan. And uh, well, check this out. He accuses Wendy of swiping some panels in ElfQuest number four from John Byrne. Mm. Now, unfortunately, we cannot give you a comparison since uh, our buddy Dave here says that the swipe appeared on page 88 of Fantastic Four number 242. That's a long book. I don't think that was a hundred pager. Um, <laughs> but in any event, he wants answers and he wants them now. So uh, RP says that he and Wendy like the Fantastic Four and John Byrne likes ElfQuest. And so this was just their way of saying hi to him. <laughs> Settle down, sailor. You know, they, <laughs> they printed they actually printed a letter, you know, mm-hmm. accusing them of basically plagiarism. Yep. <laughs> That's nice. Pretty good. Uh, you know, fact is, let's be let's be honest. Comic book business is like literally a business built on swipes. The yeah. poses, you know, I mean, on any cover can be at least almost inspired almost by something that came before or a panel or something. Mm -hmm. There is no difference. I mean, tell me how many times have you seen justice league number one from the eighties repeated Chris, how many times have you seen that? Oh Lord. 
Oh, yeah. how many he times have you? How many times have you seen the Crisis cover with Supergirl's death mm-hmm. repeated over and over? The mm-hmm. X Men covers with the Phoenix. How many mm-hmm. times have you seen these over and over and over again? So you know. Telling someone that that you know something is swiped doesn't add up at all, especially back in the day. They, we have not yet begun to swipe. <laughs> yes, this is true. <laughs> we haven't hit 1990 yet, so oh, man, yeah, this is seldom seen. Uh, next up, we got Adele in Singapore. Adele loves elves and compares ElfQuest to Tolkien. So uh, more Lord yeah. of the Rings. Now, RP thanks Adele for writing in from such a faraway land, and uh, we also learned that Richard enjoys collecting foreign stamps. Mr. Mister Electricity, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby. Come over to my house and check out my stamp collection. It worked. It worked at least once. He got it Wendy. Did. It did. I, do you think that she was really, really in love with his stamp collection? <laughs> this one's from Singapore. Oh my God! No, <laughs> this, this one's from Maldives. <laughs> now here's here's what I'm gonna do. So listen to this. I, I know we're beating up on poor Richard here, but uh, listen, some of the international version of Elfquest are mm-hmm. are amazing. Have you seen these bound collections? Some of these yes. like real like they come in different volumes too. So you get like really really thick volumes that almost add up to the, like the dark horse phone books. You get to sure. see those that are kicking around. Then you get to see like they have new covers. They have really crappy covers that are just stolen and just blended <laughs> together, almost yep. like someone took a pair of scissors and pasted oh, it. Yep. Yeah, and then like drew ElfQuest on with like a marker. There's some really bad ones out there, but mm-hmm. then there's some that has like brand new covers, like really really interesting fonts for just the word ElfQuest. And they're yes. you know they're very cool and they're fine to discover. And if you go on the uh, you know one of the ElfQuest groups there on Facebook, the main one, you get to see a lot of people sharing these these uh, you know international editions, and they really blow me away. And I know as a kid, especially when I began, you know, hitting up comic shops that, you know, books, especially from the UK, used to always draw my attention because they were so different than everything that. Yeah, Yeah. man. Do you remember like I was a big G.I. Joe fan, huge Mm -hmm. G.I. Joe fan, Action Force. Action Force. In the (laughs) magazine size with brand new, brand new material. Like painted covers and yeah. They were beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I mean. Uh, Teen Titans versus X-Men. There's like so many versions of that. There's one yeah. that's that's a, like a hardcover book. And I'm like, what is wow. this? This is beautiful. But the one that I that I really, really laugh at. And and, and you've got a couple folks from uh, from the UK listening, um, you know, for X-Laps. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Ask them next time about how they collected Spider-Man because Spider-Man was not its own title. It was always paired with something. And one of the most <laughs> unusual one was Spider-Man and Zoids. Zoids. Yeah. What? Zoids. What the <laughs> hell? Zoids were in Canada for like a drink of water. You know what I mean? Like they were literally here and gone instantly. But yet this thing went on for Ava. In yeah. The and, and I think that was some of Grant Morrison's earliest comics work was in the Zoids strip. <laughs> Can you imagine? Hey, Grant Morrison, how would you like Zoids? <laughs> I can't do a Scottish impression. So I, can't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that, yeah, that's interesting. interesting yeah, so, so, so those international versions, despite uh, Richard collecting the stamps, there's also some great foreign uh, ElfQuest books out there. So there you go. Mm-hmm. It all blends together. It there all comes together. Uh, next up, we got Amy in Ohio. And um, Amy wants to know how Cutter and Skyways became friends and says that their relationship up to this point has not been well explored. Mm-hmm. To which Richard's like, 
hey, we're like four issues into it by the time you're writing this in, so maybe wait a few seconds, you know? We'll <laughs> yeah. There. We'll get there. Now, now, if we started ElfQuest in 2021, what do you think that relationship between Cutter and Skywise would be, Christopher? So Charlie and Maryland is next. And, uh, <laughs> he wants no souls! See- <laughs> no souls! <laughs> he wants to see ElfQuest as a monthly comic book. Uh, Richard's confused, and so are we. What? <laughs> now, to be fair, okay, to be fair, distribution says differently. So some areas didn't get the books regularly. So some things didn't seem monthly, as we'll mm-hmm. say. Sure, you know, sure. And plus it was a waning direct market. Like places were drying up, like your supermarkets were starting to disappear. You know, your pharmacies, your liquor stores, and all these places, you know, that were flourishing back in the early 80s with comic books on every rack. You could find them in dentists and doctor's offices all these things started to start to dry up at this point with, you know, with the direct market hitting and all that type of stuff. So distribution technically could have played a part where somebody could have thought that, man, this book doesn't come out every month. It never comes out. Yeah. How many times did you collect a book in the eighties and Mm -hmm. you would start with issue one, issue two would come out. Maybe you'd lose issue three, issue four. And then all of a sudden issue five is on the rack and you're like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. It's true. I, uh, I, I flew back to New York back in um, 1998 or so, and uh, when I was coming home, I stopped at a at a newsstand inside the airport, and they still had some comics there. And uh, I I wasn't collecting Spider-Man books at that point, but that was the only thing they had. Right. So I grabbed like a they had a little stack of Amazing there, and it was like Amazing number like 400, 400, uh, 405, 406, and then 409. You know, it's like, why? what? <laughs> so it's like you get a little bit of a story and then you miss. Of course, that's not apples to apples, but it. I totally understand. Like, you know, yeah, that's just the way it was back then. You could miss an issue. You could just. And, yeah. and then, you, then you'd get places like we had a hardware store. Mm-hmm. It was called Handy Andy's and they threw out nothing. So if they mm-hmm. got a if they got a comic book and it didn't sell, it sat on that rack. So. <laughs> So I remember disintegrated. Going, yeah, I remember going in there. Now I had just gotten um, uh, Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew. Okay. So I was right into that. You know, the Superman cover, Captain Carrot. Like I really sure. loved that comic, but I hadn't been visiting stores often enough to, you know, to get the consecutive issues. So I go into this hardware store and I'm like, oh man, Captain Carrot, look, number two, three, four, five, what? Six. I'm like, oh my God, it's all here. And it was like a jackpot, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So every now and then you'd you'd hit these places that had no idea what to do with a magazine. Yeah. And it's a hardware store. They don't care. They're getting a new box every month. They're just throwing it on the shelf. Mm-hmm. They don't care to send stuff back or anything. And God bless Handy Andy, the, the hardware store in my hometown. <laughs> yes, <absolutely>. sir. <laughs> now those are the letters. But, uh, well, as always, we got more. We got bullpen bulletins, and it's a biggie. It's a biggie because this time, as promised, we've got the winners of the Marvel tryout book. All right. Now, when you ask someone, when you ask someone who won that, people usually say, well, Mark Bagley. And we would say, well, yeah, but who else? And they'd say, no one. (laughs) (laughs) I I would have thought that until you brought this information. Me too. Me too. I, I always thought it was just Mark Bagley who won. Yep. But... No, no, indeed, there were several people who won. We uh, will start with the winner of plotting and scripting. And that was Chuck Duffy of California. Wow, congr- congratulations, Chucky. 
Yeah, your name was put in a magazine. Um, The winner for penciling is, of course, Mark Bagley of Florida. And he's done a ton of work in the industry since then to this very day. He's done a book or two. Yeah, book or two. Uh, Winner for inks is Doug Hazelwood. This is someone we've actually heard of. I didn't know he came from the tryout book, but uh, Mr. Hazelwood uh, is from Texas. And his earliest work could be seen in the 1980s pro mags like Amazing Heroes. And he would stay busy in the biz ever since, uh, though mostly for DC Comics. Uh, He would ink some of the Death of Superman story arc, so that might be his highest profile. He didn't ink John Bogdanov, please. I don't think so. I don't. Maybe Gamble? Okay, I was going to say, Doug, get yourself a new (laughs) career, career, my friend, if you did those Bogdanov issues. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, continue on. Winner for lettering. They had a lettering thing here uh robin riggs in the uk and uh riggs was actually an artist and even did a bunch of work for marvel uk and into the 90s yeah into the 90s hopefully hopefully Mm -hmm. zoids i hope so i hope so now into the 90s he would contribute art for some of marvel's uh, north american comics and into the 21st century he would do a little work for dc wow and we've got our colorist our winner for colors is p janine pazda in pennsylvania and uh well, what do these people win? What do they win? What do they win? Well, they get a classy certificate. Ooh. And the story that they created for the tryout book will be published as part of a special giant size issue of The Amazing Spider-Man due out the following year. Oh, man, I've got that one. Wait Ooh, a minute. Yeah, they're still waiting. They're still oh. waiting. Um, When's it coming out? Mm, uh, summer, 90, summer of 83. I, I'm not, I, no, it's a, the uh, Marvel tryout comic. The, the tryout comic came out in 1983. And, I mean, they waited until 86 to even announce the winners, so <laughs> they did not give a rip. Jim Shooter's like, oh, man, I keep getting these le- – can we just can we just shut this thing down? So so that that issue actually never happened? Never happened. Yeah, it was – Wow. Uh, it was supposed to be in a giant-size Amazing Spider-Man. Then it was going to be in an annual for either Amazing Spider-Man or Spectacular Spider-Man, and then it just never happened. So, uh, oh, my God. Yeah, That's so crazy. Poor, yeah, poor Chuck Duffy and P. Janine Pazda have never had their work published. Jeez. Well, maybe one of these days, right? I mean, listen, they waited three years. What's 30 more? Come on. Right? Right? If, <laughs> if you're out there and listening, let us know how you're doing. Let us know uh, what you've been up to. And uh, maybe yeah. maybe we can put it out in the ether. And uh, we'll uh, we'll have uh, C.B. Sabolsky saying, hey, guys, remember the tryout book? <laughs> And then, then everybody can they retweet should. that and be like, my childhood, my childhood. So uh, they should. I think we need the uh, the Duffy cut. We do. We <laughs> need the <Chuck> Duffy cut. <laughs> this is going to be the Duffy Lucian, man. He is. Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. Yes. Um, now, Big Jim Shooter suggests that comics wannabes ought to keep buying and trying the tryout book at, you know, only 13 bucks each uh, to hone their skills, even though the contest is long over. So could you just buy this thing on the shelf? Is that yes. how that worked? Yeah. And they had just multiple copies that continued to sell or just go through the back issues and get them? They probably just had them uh, either on a rack or in the back issues or you have know, you maybe. Seen Are they oversized? Like, can you actually draw on them like real comic book pages? How, how What were these things like? They're supposedly like actual like pro materials. I've never seen one. I've actually never either. seen one in person, but uh if I do, I, I, man, I'd love to see one. I'd buy it. I'd buy it for sure. But uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it was a happening, and uh, Jim wants his thirteen bucks. So even though he ain't giving you a job, <laughs> buy, buy, buy some more. 
But uh, that's all the room in the bullpen bulletins for you know that amazing announcement. But we do have our mighty Marvel checklist here, and uh, a few noteworthy things here. Uh, the first thing is uh, Daredevil number 227, which starts one of my very favorite Daredevil stories. Uh, I mean, that's not a hot take. It's not a uh, no. Not a unique take either. Um, that's Born Again. Uh, you remember Born Again? I did. Oh, that's I a did. good. One. That yeah. is that is one of the like the main entire like the seminal. Most, yeah. But yeah, most reprinted Daredevil mm-hmm. storylines of all time, and it's beautiful. It's really good. It's excellent. It's really really good. That was a uh, that was a cosmic treadmill in the waiting, and just we just mm-hmm. never got to it. But uh, that was that was a wonderful wonderful story. Um, we also have ROM number 75, the final issue. Ah, Space Night No More, my friend. Yeah, yeah that's in. I'm I'm on uh, I'm on report as not really getting ROM. <laughs> ROM ain't oh, my thing. man. Uh, well, I tell you what, do not read the IDW stuff because you really won't get it then. Because <laughs> they, they didn't even get it. They completely missed the point of ROM. I mean, my mm. God, this is a property that mm-hmm. was just basically based on a toy. Sure. Uh, you know, you had Bill Mantelo um, and the gang, and they literally redrafted this entire, created an entire storyline around them, a cast of characters, uh, you know, yeah, the villains with the dire rates and all mm-hmm. these things. So they basically built it from the ground up, similar to how Larry Hama built G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. And then IDW gets the property. Now, mm-hmm. the one thing that made this thing special was Rom's place in the Marvel universe, his sure. connection to the X-Men, the, Hulk, the defenders, yeah. the Hulk, all these different people that, you know, were in his book, all of a sudden, none of that history exists or can be alluded yeah. to. None yeah. of the space Knight saga can be discussed. None of his, his breakaway from the space Knights and his victory over the dire race. They can't talk about any of this. Mm-hmm. So basically you have a guy in a tin suit of armor that is faceless and soulless. He has no background. So really what's the point? Yeah, I mean, why? Yeah, why even? You got to imagine that the property. And I mean, before we got on the air here, we were talking about a recent news story about the Ditko estate trying yep. to get uh, trying to get the earliest appearances of Spider-Man and Doctor Strange taken away from Marvel, basically. Correct. And it's like you wonder. It's like, well, how valuable is that stuff without everything else? You know, and you what think about Rom. Yeah, like yeah. Rom. What what value does Rom have without Rom's story? It, it, it's just one of those. It's like, hey, my childhood, my childhood. It's, but there has to be more than that. And <laughs> it, it, there just, it just doesn't seem like there. And, and again, I don't know anything about no rom, so uh, I don't, I don't have a nostalgia for it. But I, I could totally understand people who did follow it for seventy-five issues, which is a long run even back then. To, well, I'm to telling have that you, all wiped there, away. There, there may be a future um, episode of X Lapsed involved to get you to read some ROM. How about that? This is true. This is true. Yes, oh. I, I do know the uh, the Dire Wraith story with Ms. Marvel and all that stuff. And Christopher, you are going to yeah. enjoy at least one issue of ROM. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of X Lapsed, look at what's next. Yes, X Factor number one here. The uh, the yeah. spinoff. Um, that brought the original five back together, brought Gene Gray back to life. And uh, you had Sean Waltman debut and you had Justin, just incredible Albert. Yeah. That's what <laughs> they had everything they ever wanted. Yeah. Man, I thought X factor number one was a huge deal. I it mean, was. we saw, we saw the build inside. Um, I think Fantastic it was one of the Avengers. Avengers. Avengers yeah. yeah. So you had that cocoon underneath the water and Avengers and all that stuff. They were teasing it. Namor was finding it. All kinds of different things were flowing in. You had, uh, 
uh, Jean Grey underwater and all this type mm-hmm. of stuff, you know. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the X-Men team, the original X-Men team, came back in a book. Yeah. And they were oh, rebranded yeah. as X-Factor. So you had, you know, it was smart because you still had your popular X-Men team, which was, you know, the brand new, basically the, the new giant, yeah, yeah, the giant size X-Men, we'll say. They were still going. But now all of a sudden you have X-Factor. You've got the originals back. Mm-hmm. And that that team meant something because these are the OGs, you know what I mean? Sure, sure. And, you know, you had Simonson on some pencils early on, did you not? Was that what mm-hmm. they started out with? Yeah. Not at the launch, and, not at the launch. No. But, yeah, he, I think it was Jackson yeah. Geis at the start. But, right. Uh, the Simonsons did take over not too long after the the, the launch of the title. But the one, the one thing I, I actually just learned about X Factor here because, I mean, I got into comics – 1990, 1991, X Factor was already up to its. They, they was already like the the Peter David team, you know. Right. I didn't know it was the original five and all that stuff here, and I never really, I never really uh, placed it, you know, where it would fit in, not so much continuity, but just like shipping, right? Right. And you remember they made that huge deal out of the fight with Storm and Cyclops in X Men 201, where yes. Storm Storm beat Cyclops without her powers, and Cyclops is like, okay, I guess I'm done. That same month or a month later, X Factor number one comes out. He, I, hmm. I, you know, in reading that, like retroactively, I always assumed that X Men two hundred one happened, and then like a year went by, right? And then yeah. X Factor launched. I nope. don't, I didn't recall that, and I was buying yeah. that stuff faithfully at that. Yeah, right. Just, just a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. What? It's pretty crazy. It's just a few weeks yeah. later, and, and Cyclops is abandoning his family in Alaska. <laughs> yeah, but not only that, it, it it trickled over to Defenders because, as you'll see, the final yeah. issue, half the team basically, gone. yeah, yeah, were in Defenders. Yeah. So you had you had all this stuff happening super quick. You had Defenders that were being canceled. You had the other X Men like you're talking about, and then all of a sudden, boom, X Factor's back. All of a like out of nowhere. Like yeah, super yeah, hot uh, press. Because at the end of the Defenders, I think it was like Beast, Angel, and Iceman were all part of that team. Yeah. I know at least at least two of those three were, but uh, yeah, and they they had to cancel the book because they were losing, you know, some of their movers and shakers. So very interesting times. Very interesting times. Uh, now the last book here is Santa Claus the movie. Uh, you know what? I don't think I've ever seen that. I've never seen the movie. I do have the comic. Hmm. Because it's like I, good. It's a, it's an oversized uh, like magazine size thing. Ah. I've never read it. I have it, but I it's I'm a sucker for anything Christmas. If I see anything any comic that's Christmassy, I pick it up. Is it <laughs> a Marvel a super special? Yes. Yes. <gasps> oh, cool. Yeah. Well, there I would have bought it too. Hell yes. Yeah, I, I found it in a used uh, bookstore like a year ago for like fifty cents. It's like yeah, why not? I could do that. Nice. But uh, never saw Santa Claus the movie. Um. Just I remember thinking it was like, I mean, it's called Santa Claus, the movie. So you think it's like this is the official Santa Claus movie. And I I still never went to see it. but I never saw it ever. But, uh, yeah, I've always thought that it must be a very important film. It's probably Mm. the worst thing ever. But uh, (laughs) but I always thought it was a a wildly important film. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) But uh, we also have our epic spotlight here. Oh, now did, I, got, did uh, I fail on this one? Go ahead. Ooh, and you you read the one that I wanted to talk about. Good, good, good. Um, we've got we've got Gru number twelve. We've got Sisterhood of Steel number seven. We've got Dreadstar number twenty two. Of course, Elfquest number seven. Alien Legion number eleven. 
Six from Sirius 2, number one. They're back with a bounty on their heads and trouble with the fourth dimension. And the Boz, Boz Chronicles, number one. Oh, my God. So picture yourself back in, like, um, you know, Jack the Ripper style England. Victorian okay? England, yes. Victorian England, yes, sir. So you've got this alien who has, you know, secret powers, and they can predict when crimes are going to happen. So, you know, they're involved in the, I guess, the police force and the investigations. But, you know, they're really, really able to decipher and figure out crimes before they happen or during or how they're going to end up. And you think it's super interesting? It's not. The artwork is uh, is 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 pretty dreadful. And uh, this was a tough tough slog like i'm really really having trouble with epic anyone who says i can't believe that epic was canceled man you didn't read boz chronicles <laughs> i i actually i bought Ooh. boz chronicles in a bundle um and i think i got i think there are six issues of it maybe four issues but uh i got the whole thing for a couple of bucks yeah. and it sat on my uh, nightstand and i actually had a nightmare about it because i never read it Me too but but i mean the covers they have this weird haunting quality to them yeah they're they're definitely the peak of the book um but very very bizarre looking um just very different uh the, the, it, the interiors i'd love i wish who's the artist on that who's the artist remember oh it's just it's it's bizarre it's bizarre really really like they spend a lot of time doing like uh you know realizing england mm-hmm. but not a lot of time on like making you care about the story uh, any, you know? yeah yeah which is which is half the story of epic i mean you get to see some of their some of their fantasy works especially when sure. you had like epic illustrated just mm-hmm. lushly you know rich rich detail oh, yeah, beautiful that, blacks and whites mm-hmm. and the stories are not fit like yeah. they're garbage, you know what I mean? They're not great. The presentation's there, but the the meat is yeah. is lacking sorely. We're, we're trying we're trying to be heavy metal, but we ain't close. No, not not in the same class at all. Do you remember um, like back in the day, like on like HBO or like USA Network or whatever, where like shows would end at weird times and they'd fill yeah. in the they'll fill in shows they'll fill in time with like a five minute cartoon like a weird indie cartoon or a movie and uh there was a george plimpton i think is the artist um and i remember there was one where like uh they'd be like there was somebody in an egg cracking in somebody in the house cracking an egg with a spoon and it's like crack 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 and then all of a sudden like some there's like a you hear like this loud clash above him and like his roof starts to crack in and like you find out that like his house is an egg you know, it, it's just very, very bizarre stuff that, you, like, if you think about it, it'll bother you, but you, you, you really don't. That was what <laughs> Boz Chronicles was to me. It was just this weird thing that you would see as, like, a five-minute filler on HBO. It's like that's in exa- between. That's exactly where yeah. it would sit, too. Yeah, exactly. just, just just like a shitty episode of the Boz Chronicles. Would... <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But now we are up to the advertisements here. And, All um, right. Yeah, yes, we've got please. stuff right in your, no pun intended, in your wheelhouse that we Woo-hoo. will get to. Um, we do have an ad for stars, Star Comics here. It says, uh, let, me, let me see if you can solve this puzzle for me here. Lions, tigers, and bears. And to represent them, we have the Thundercats, the lion, yep. right? Lion. The Misty, the model, as the tiger. And the uh, Care Bears. 
understand Misty as the tiger. Yeah, unless unless there's a an, like an after dark issue of Misty we don't know about. I. <laughs> maybe misty uh you know when you when you spooned her had like a little something extra <laughs> i don't i don't know but listen man um uh, you're gonna ask yourself how would an imprint like star comics if you don't know what star comics is it's marvel taking all kinds of licensed toy properties uh you know uh, cartoon properties of the time and just making comics. I mean, it was a license and literally off print- other licenses they couldn't get. <laughs> right. Right on the money. Exactly. Exactly right. So but they had all these popular ones. So you had Thundercats, you mm-hmm. had He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. I mean, anything that they could get, they had Dino Riders, for God's sake. Anything and- that yeah. they could get. Yeah. Droids and Ewoks, for example. Mm-hmm. But instead, you're trying to advertise Star Comics with Thundercats. Fair game. Misty. Are you even trying here? And Care Bears. Do you think that anyone, like any any boy, would look at this and go, okay, Thundercats, yeah, but Care Bears and Misty, I don't know if I want to play in this sandbox. You know what I mean? It's true. It's true. It's it is funny. On um on Essential X Labs, I'm I'm doing the uh, the bullpen bulletins for yep. the 1960s, and uh, Stan Lee will often talk about uh, Millie the model. Oh, my God. uh, How many times? I think, well, Millie the model basically is Misty. It it almost has to be, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I I don't know why they didn't just call her Millie, but uh, maybe they lost. Maybe Steve Ditko fought the rights to uh, Millie the model. But I mean, Stan Lee was obsessed. Everything is. Mm -hmm. When back in the day when she was like Millie the model and you're like, what? Who? And 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 he's like, we have our 25 cent issue of Millie the model that for some reason is going to sell out. (laughs) Because what? it does, man. <laughs> and you'll have I, the letter writers like, I love all your comics except Millie the model. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so it was it was it was a weird choice to mm-hmm. to launch Star Comics or like the advertising with, with yeah. these. You know, I I get the play on lions, tigers, and bears. I understand. Sure. But I mean, as a Canadian, we didn't even get Thundercats at the time. So really? when you guys when you guys were getting Thundercats, mm-hmm. that came much much later for us. Okay. Okay. So I mean years years in the difference. So you guys wow. had Thundercats. The only way that I got anything any exposure to Thundercats was mm-hmm. you know a scattered VHS tape would video. appear yeah. in a random video store and I would catch an episode or two. And man, I was in all over it at the time. Sure. Then I went to New York on a trip and you know turned on Saturday morning and boom there's Thundercats and I was like mm-hmm. okay this is much better. <laughs> where i'm living you know i don't have to watch rocket robin hood or max the <laughs> fucking 2000 year old mouse in canada oh and i'm telling you if if you if you want something that is like uh i, I don't i don't know nightmare fuel i guess you watch max the 2000 year old mouse on uh which were historical vignettes max they were terrible two th- oh my god that <laughs> I thought you were joking. That is a real deal. Wow, that looks nightmare yeah. fuel, my friend, as a kid. It was literally historical vignettes, like little five-minute cartoons. And in between, like the opening, they would have Max, a time-traveling mouse, who would introduce you to a historical event. These were torture. Oh, my torture. goodness. This is classics illustrated in uh, in animated form. This is hot. Wow. Oh, yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Which we'll get wow. into a little bit later. Yes, indeed. Wow. Crazy. Uh, now, for Thundercats, did you guys get the toys? Um, now, my brother did have some toys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to say yes. I will say they were maybe Giants. way before way before the cartoon. They didn't really fit with anything we played with, yeah, which I'm going to tell you. Yeah. Size really means everything, and mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get into in a minute. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Because next, we're going to talk about a Nestle Quick ad that is advertising or is teaming up with <laughs> the GoBots. Say it. Say Go-Bots. it. Say it, Christian. That's right. <laughs> the GoBots. Listen, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I annoyingly trumpet the GoBots. Well, <laughs> here you go. This is your GoBots episode, mofos. This is right. And this is a contest. Nestle Quick had a contest. The grand prize for this contest, you get the entire set, mm-hmm. which in 1987 was pretty substantial, of the of the GoBots. The first prize is a messenger vehicle, which is hardly a big prize. Now, <laughs> this is for the deep cut GoBot fans. So mm-hmm. the messenger is very rare. It was never, ever featured in a show. And it came in certain forms. So it's a little tiny uh, vehicle that's on three wheels and they come in different things and it converts like its head pops up. The body opens up and it has a ball and it shoots a ball. They come okay. in they're called the boomer vehicle and, uh, you know, they come in, um, in in different forms. And it's really, really weird. I mean, you know, finding the uh, the GoBots uh, messenger vehicle is, uh, you know, I didn't see many of them as a kid, but uh, you can find them online and they are they're pretty well hot garbage. So to have this as a hot <laughs> as, you know, the the main prize over the entire line of GoBots, give me my GoBots. Come on. <laughs> That's interesting. That is very yes. interesting. Yeah. Now, now, if we're talking GoBots, we're not going to stop talking about GoBots until mm-hmm. I talk about Challenge of the GoBots. Okay? Yes, that's our next ad. Yes. So I'm going to freestyle this one. Let me tell you mm-hmm. something. So this was not a Saturday morning cartoon for me, Christian. Okay. This was this was an after-school show. So well before, and I mean by years, before Transformers hit the screen in mm-hmm. Canada, we had Challenge of the GoBots. Now, it's more kid-friendly. You know, it okay. featured three of the main GoBots, which were Leader One, which were Turbo, which were Scooter. And, of course, they had human friends because, you know, obviously that's what you did. You know, sure. Nick, AJ, and the gang. Uh, they were the human friends. And over on the other side, you had the Renegades. And you had Cop Tour. You had Crasher. And, of course, Psykill, which is definitely one of my favorite, favorite villains of all time. And Braxis, the evil Dr. Braxis, who was, you know, always causing trouble for not only the GoBots, but sometimes for the Renegades. Now, as years go on, we all talk about how great the Transformers, the movie was. I mean, this was epic. It was, you know, he had the amazing ACDC soundtrack, the beautiful like anime style art. Well, Mm -hmm. we had a giant turd called Battle of the Rock Lords. (laughs) That my brother and I went to see in theater. The <laughs> GoBots movie existed and it was terrible. Terrible. <laughs> All this time that I invested in Challenge of the GoBots, literally trumpeting this cartoon to the moon, saying, telling people over and over that it's better than Transformers. And then I sit in the theater trying to justify that Battle of the Rock Lords is better than Transformers the movie. Ooh. I was lying to myself. <laughs> but let me tell you something about GoBots themselves. So, mm-hmm. 
Playability is a big thing, and I know sure. you know this. So of you course. know how many times did you mix and match your Joes with your Star, Star Wars, Wars, yeah, with with whatever whatever lines that came in there, right? Mm-hmm. Because they were the same size. Yeah. Ghostbusters and Ninja Turtles were, were a right. good mix too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So size <laughs> meant things, you know what I mean? However, one of the interesting things was that GoBots, despite being cheap, were always mm-hmm. almost the same size as a GI Joe okay. and a and a uh, Star Wars figure. So they were almost the same. They could play alongside them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They would be their like their their robot counterparts. We'll say. Sure. But they came out a little bit later, so Transformers were bigger, like bigger in scale. And sure. They were up and down all over the place, so they really were all over the map. You didn't really know what you had. You couldn't play with Transformers the same as you could play with the Gobot, mm-hmm. because you had Megatron, which was a big gun, and he transformed big. You had Optimus Prime, but then you had Bumblebee, which was literally a little tiny micro figure, and you're okay. like, what? What am I supposed to do with this? So they were up and down in size, you know what I mean? Depending on which Transformers you got, there wasn't a consistent height. So all these figures look like a collection of like, uh, like different toys. Just a mishmash. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but GoBots were all a similar size. Okay. And I was really into that. So they had the command center, which was a giant, um, you know, basically a playset. It opened up. Mm-hmm. It had, you know, it's had its own deck. They had a refreshment station. The GoBots got to go have a drink. And then it stood up like an Adat Walker, like an Adat Walker, Christian. I'm Beauty. looking at it right now. Yeah. yeah I love that thing. So oh, yeah. when I was on a trip to New York, I loaded up on GoBots. So at the time, they had this power suit. It was It was a giant... Um, basically a transforming robot a la Voltron, except mm-hmm. the power suits were the legs and arms of this thing. So the spaceship was the core, which was a robot, but the GoBots had their own power suit, which was like a little canopy thing that they rode in and it clipped on and became the arms and the legs of this thing. So now okay. your GoBots were yeah. in a giant power suit, which I loved as well. And this thing played so well, but to compete with Transformers, they were like, okay, you know, we, we got to do a better job because they were getting pounded on the uh, mm-hmm. on the toy racks. So they came up with the ultra cool super GoBots. So okay. you know, now all of a sudden, Leader One and um, and Psykill were in larger form. So you get the larger scale GoBots that now really? could play with okay. your Transformers. Yeah. So huh. I really, really, really love this stuff. You know what I mean? So when I talk about tra- when I talk about GoBots, I'll always say they were the original. Tonka broke ground in North America. Before the Transformers ever arrived. So, you know, despite the movie being utter trash, I'm a <laughs> GoBots fan. And I would have loved to win that Nesquik, uh, Nesquik thing, man. I wonder who what did anybody actually win it? How many GoBots did they get? That's what I like to know, Christian. I think Mark Bagley won it. Chuck Duffy. Um, I'm looking at the uh, some GoBot stuff here and I I've never had any of them, but they definitely look more playable than uh, oh. than the Transformers for so they sure. Were, they were easily transformed. So you know what what turned me against Transformers? Hmm. I got Megatron for Christmas one year, and you're like, "Oh okay. my God, score!" Sure. You know, you you got Megatron. I could not convert this thing. It was a pain in the ass. <laughs> like his legs were really sloppy, so you go to stand them up, and they would cave in on each other, and he would tip over, and okay. he had. Just take a look at just Google Megatron. Anybody who's listening, Google Megatron, the original toy. When he transforms, he looks so stupid. So the trigger of the gun is his um, crotch. (laughs) So when he transforms, he has a giant projectile sticking out, which looks 
which looks uh, like a giant uh, phallic symbol on the character. Have, do you got yeah, a picture of it, Chief? Yeah, yeah. But what do you think of that Transformo? Does that look exactly like that cartoon or not? <laughs> it doesn't. It looks no. like trash. It doesn't look good. It oh, does not man. look good. But I'm telling oh, you, you man. try to you try to transform that gun. It took forever, and it was just an annoyance. Mm. And guess what? That went right to the back of the toy box, and Psych Hill was back sure. in play. So he turns it like the Transformers. As far as I knew, they turned into vehicles, right? Uh, yep. So he was what, a large gun. So what do what you do would with you that? Do with him? You just like fold him into a gun and lay him down? And he's <laughs> a big gun. He's the size of Optimus Prime. Oh man! But but you can't do nothing with him. No, he's no, just, he it falls over. Wow. It was so is, that, is it like you're supposed to play with it as a gun then, I guess? Yeah, it's it's a gun that you can hold in your hand and shoot. Wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, that's what I mean. Like, what do you do with this? What like, does he turn into in the cartoon? A gun. But but he can actually do stuff. He floats. Oh, He okay, transforms okay. to a gun and just shoots and just converts gotcha, back quickly. Gotcha. But okay. now listen, they changed that up a little bit when he became Galvatron because he became like almost like a mobile tank. At the end, you oh, know what I mean? He would be he'd become a cannon, but he had like a mount, almost like a base that moved. OK, so, yeah. OK, yeah. OK, yeah. So you can actually he's got like tread, uh, like yeah. uh, legs and tread. So you can actually right. do something with him instead yes. of just laying him down. Yeah. Oh, OK. Uh, that makes sense. And not only that, the original Megatron came with like an arm brace. So he came mm-hmm. with a scope that went nowhere. I guess yeah. it was supposed to be his arm cannon. Gotcha. And he had this brace like it was a long, almost rifle like thing. Oh, you boy. got the full version of that? Yeah. Just take yeah. that. Yeah, so guess what? That that uh It looks like entire... he's holding a flashlight. Yes. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. But but the the actual like rifle portion, like the back portion, you know, mm-hmm. the part that you hold, the back, that went nowhere. So that literally had no part of the figure. So now it's just an accessory just like, piece of junk. Yeah, that you gotta make sure you don't lose. Right. Wow. Oh, Give me my no. gold soon. <laughs> Now, now, speaking of figures uh, changing size to uh, to kind of keep with the times, do you have any thoughts about G.I. Joe Extreme? Do you remember G.I. Joe, Joe Extreme? G.I. Joe these were These were like the – this was after like probably the mid to late 90s where these – they didn't have the points of articulation like a classic G.I. Joe. They were like these big meaty figures, um, probably stood a whole head size higher than uh, – than the regular Joes? I'm searching them up. Let me see. Let me see what I can see, Christian. Yes, they were garbage. G.I. Joe Extreme toys. Oh, my. Garbage. Oh, my God. They're terrible. Yeah. Look yeah. at Roadblock. He looks yeah. terrible. They're, like, uh-huh. huge. They're, like, they're like they're posed in awkward positions. So, mm-hmm. you know, they have their knees bent. They can't. They're not fully articulated. Can't do anything with them. They have a whole bunch of dreadnoughts that nobody cares about. Mm-hmm. Really ridiculous accessories. Duke looks terrible. What is this? This is garbage. Crap. And and then they also had something called Sergeant Savage. Do you remember oh, G.I. Joe that, Sergeant yeah. Savage? I do remember Sergeant Savage. Actually, now that now that I look at it, I, re- I recognize G.I. Joe Extreme. Mm. So this was published in a comic, was it not? What company um, took this? I, I don't know. I don't know. I can guarantee you this was published. I'm sure you're right. Yep. Yeah. Somebody sure. uh, maybe was it Dark Horse maybe that took this property? This was no, no. There was Devil's Due. Devil's Due Devil. maybe. Yeah. I bet you it was Devil's Due. They they did a version of this. This is this is trash, man. Wow. Yeah. 
not what do you do with these figures chris you can't do nothing with them yeah yeah do you have any of these i think i had one that i got uh like remember when you were a kid and you'd have a birthday party and like you'd invite everybody and like even people you didn't really know so well and yeah. they would come over. It's like, well, this is what boys like. <laughs> so here Boy, is a boy's wrong. toy. Yeah. Jesus, give me a Barbie instead of that. That's terrible. <laughs> right. Give Man. me a meat Misty doll. But <laughs> I, yeah. I'm Millie the model doll. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, on to our next ad here. We have, uh, I mean, we were just talking about toys that could actually be fun. Here's a uh, glow-in-the-dark solar ball. What? With radioactive glowing Saturn ring bracelets. And also glow in the dark neon shoelaces. Do you, do you remember ever being obsessed with glow in the dark things back in the eighties? <laughs> I, I feel like I missed it. I was there, but I wasn't. I wasn't uh, over the moon with a uh, glow in the darks. I, I think that my kids actually appreciated it more because when we'd go to like a, like say for example we go to um, I guess New Year's celebration. So mm-hmm. you go out to watch fireworks and all that stuff. And our kids were always notorious for like. The glow necklaces glow and the necklace. bracelets yeah. and the, the the glow sticks. So mm-hmm. I think that skipped my generation too, man. I don't think yeah. that was a big deal for me. Yeah, and this uh, this comes from uh, Pineapple Kids, which uh, is a brand I've never heard of before in Toronto, Canada, as a matter of fact. Oh come on, so don't they're, associate they're Canadians with this. No, yours. you this have is, the Saturn rings. This is common dollar store <laughs> fodder in 2021. Yeah, you would, for sure. You would not even pay one nickel over a buck for any of this stuff, and they're charging like. <laughs> Three bucks yeah. for like for like a ball, you know, yeah. a, a couple rings and some instructions. Plus, not only that, a dollar, uh, you know, one dollar shipping and handling. So you got four mm-hmm. bucks for stuff that's not worth one single dollar. Yeah, and the solar ball is three as two and one quarter inches. <laughs> what? I mean, the you look at this picture in the comic, and it looks like the kid is holding this, like throwing this gigantic ball, like a globe, like, like Galactus eating a, yes. eating Earth. Yes, and no, it's a a tiny ball that you'd get out of the twenty five cent, uh, you know, coin op machine. It's like they were making like huge bank off of this. They're getting I'm four dollars sure. for it, and there's not twenty five cents worth of toy here. Not at all. Not at all. You should get in the dark solar ball and Saturn ring uh, market, man. Wow. You should. If only they had a phone number here. We could call them up. <laughs> we want in. See? We like this racket. Oh, man. Oh, our next ad is, uh, well, I mean, we the, the Jetsons are on here, but I mean, everybody knows who the Jetsons are, but uh, I've never heard of a Galtar and the Golden Lance. Have you heard of that? I did not either. What yeah. the hell is that? Galtar and the Golden Lance here. And I, I should have looked this up before, but uh, yeah. Look, look tw- what it says. It's it's from Hanna-Barbera. Mm-hmm. So just to picture it, it's like a He-Man style character. And of course, he's got his female heroine, you of know, course. on the back of this giant, almost like alien green horse. He's yeah. got like a staff. She's got a shield. And then, of course, there's the big villain who almost looks like, um, uh, let me see. He almost looks like the villain from Dungeons and Dragons. To be honest with you, and he's got like a large, uh, a large like staff. But anyway, look what it says. It says every Sunday morning. Oh, that's where the good cartoons go. Man, that's <laughs> you talk about death to a product right there. Galtar, I guess, uh, you know, he uh, he took the Sunday school uh, ratings right down to the toilet there, I think. <laughs> I remember in the mid nineties when um like we had the X-Men cartoon, we had the Batman cartoon, the Spider-Man, the Superman. Those were all on like weekdays and Sunday and Saturday mornings. Right. 
And then I remember like there was a Hulk cartoon like on UPN on Sunday morning. It's like, <laughs> what? And then there, there's the Savage Dragon cartoon on USA on Sunday morning. It's like, who in the hell oh <laughs> is going to watch this? Oh, my God. You got to be kidding me. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm looking here. Galtar, uh, 21 episodes. And um, was thought to have been created due to the rising popularity of E-Man. So, yeah. Ah, I mean, oh, okay. So it was just a clone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, Absolutely. Galtar. Absolutely. Man. I got to check that out. I'll definitely watch at least one episode. It's Hanna-Barbera, for God's sake. It is, and uh, it stars Lou Richards as Galtar. <laughs> and uh, you might know Lou Richards. Well, you probably – he was on an episode of The Facts of Life. He was on two Ooh. episodes of WKRP. Um, he was on an episode of Major Dad. Yeah, so uh, – Two episodes of The Facts of Life. Okay, you're yeah. a star. And, wow, he, I think he's still working now. Hmm, how about wow. that? He's a he's a prolific fellow for sure. But uh, and I bet I bet his career high was Galtar. It would have to be. Have to be. <laughs> Obviously. Yes. Tormac is the bad guy, and he's responsible for the death of both of Galtar's planet parents. Can you imagine? I mean, do we get that in cartoons nowadays? Like cartoons in 2020, 2021? Are there like revenge plots? Like did I don't know. Did villains I don't think- kill? Even in back in the day, I think that, you know, it would have caused the disappearance of his parents or or something. And they have to find his parents, a la Teddy Ruxpin type of deal. You know what I mean? But this I don't know. Maybe Galtar was something serious. Galtar was a mature viewers uh, cartoon. That's why it was on Sunday. Even He-Man had his parents, although they were abducted every five minutes. But, you know, (laughs) hey, we're good. (laughs) Yes. They were still alive. So that's okay. I I don't think either of us have anything to say about the Jetsons, do we? (laughs) Oh, man. So, were you a Flintstones fan? On and off, yeah. Some, some, yeah, yeah. They were sure. there and they were fine, right? I mean, the Jetsons. I, it was one of these shows that I think I wanted to like, mm-hmm. and I think I it was tried. Yeah, yeah, I tried. You know, I, I put myself through my paces to watch a few episodes, and maybe I've seen quite a few episodes, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever enjoyed it. And they yeah. had Jetsons the movie hit theaters back in the day. Now I don't know who thought this was a good idea. That there was enough love because I don't think people truly I don't know if this was a rating smash back in the day, but to put this in theaters and think that kids would like to watch it. I mean, even the animation style was outdated by the 80s. Oh, 100 percent. What were you doing? Seriously. And this was the era of the Jetsons where they had like a like this like weird little spring footed alien or something. Oh, man. You you always had to have cousin Oliver. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we always say it. There's always ruination. You always mm. have to have that Godzuki to a Godzilla. There you go. There you it go. Works. Or Herbie oh. the robot. Oh boy. Yeah. And Jesus. <laughs> now we have our final ad, which is boring comics classics. <laughs> hey, this you is, shut uh, your mouth. <laughs> this is fifty fifty comics you would never ever want to read for fourteen dollars and ninety five cents. Oh, my God. What's wrong with you, man? You don't oh. like the classics or what? Oh, man. This is I'm, I'm looking at the ad here and it looks like like Barry Wrightson fell asleep before he drew this picture <laughs> of Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he got a good start at it and then somebody said then oh, fell asleep. Yeah, yeah. And that has somebody... to be done in two minutes. OK, screw it. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, it looks um... like someone else outlined it. It looks like it started, does. and then somebody said, oh, my God, it's not finished. We must outline this in black marker. <laughs> Get the Sharpie. <laughs> Get the Sharpie. Oh, this, these are published from Academic Industries Incorporated. And, uh, wow, oh, you had to pay three bucks shipping and handling, too. So, uh, 
So, so were these full size ones or were they like the little big books? Because I had the I had a collection from Sears that mm-hmm. I purchased um, that were in the size of a little big book. You know what I mean? Like the the thick um, mm-hmm. mini comic. You know what I mean? Okay, um, okay. Yeah. So my my collector's editions were, and I had a bunch. So this came in a set of fifteen or sixteen, mm-hmm. I think. And uh, some of the ones that are here were definitely there. So Time Machine was there. Sure. Uh, let me see what else. Uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde was there. We had Journey, Journey to, yeah, yeah, the Journey to the Center of the Earth, the uh, Tale of Two Cities, all these ones I had. And man, mm-hmm. I, I thought they were great at the time. I didn't think they were terrible. What, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> I remember trying to pick up Classics Illustrated, you know, as a as a fake ass <laughs> comics historian. It's like, oh, I should probably own some of these. <laughs> oh my God, man! Um, and these are 64 pages each, so you're getting a lot of material here for uh, your 15 bucks. They had a lot of illustrations, so there's not a lot of text in these. Books. Okay, okay. This, this, so. Yeah. So, but you got images, which were great because you know, mm-hmm. as a, as a kid who didn't want to read these boring comics, <laughs> boring you books, you know, you, you had something pictures to look at. Yeah. yeah, I could say that I read the Hound of Baskervilles. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Look at. <laughs> <laughs> Look at like great expectations. Who in a right mind would give ki- their kids great expectations to read? They yeah. did enjoy it. Come yeah, on. Call it Pimpinel. Yeah. <laughs> and how much was this? So we had, let me see. So you get 50 classic comics. So I guess they're regular comic size format. Oh, they, they were $14.95 and $2.95 shipping and handling. So 18 bucks. Yeah. Now, Connecticut <laughs> residents had to add 7.5% sales tax. So they were Ooh. getting the Canadian shaft. Yeah. Yeah. Oh I'm look, this, that that image of Frankenstein. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that image uh, of Frankenstein was, uh, you know, taken directly from the comic book, Chris. So you get oh, to see it? more of this. Oh, this <laughs> book. There's more to be had. Oh, lovely, lovely, lovely. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that uh, that is the ads. That is the book in sum here. Unless you have anything else to. Uh, to add to the proceedings, uh, we should well, probably head into the uh, the plugs. Okay, I, I, I just want to talk about GoBots sure. one more time. I'm oh, not yes, letting hit, this go. Hit. I'm 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 not letting this go because I'm going to talk about the ad <laughs> for Challenger the GoBots now. So oh yes 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 I, I I neglected to see this. So the the ad for Challenger the GoBots there's the big 3D image that says Challenger the GoBots. <laughs> so there's a TV in the like the very back panel of this thing, and the GoBots are smashing through it. It mm-hmm. says in, in like a big, you know, comic book burst, it says, they're awesome. Then, of course, you got, <laughs> then of course you got the human characters who are, you know, standing in shock and awe as the GoBots mm-hmm. smash out through their TV screen because they're going to be on TV, by God. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting thing is that we have four GoBots, Chris, smashing okay. through the screen. So we have Leader One, which, of course, is on every single episode. He's the leader. He's the which one is he? He's the uh, the gray fighter plane. Top left. He is in the top left hand corner. Gotcha. Yes. Yep. Over to his far over to the right, you have mm-hmm. Turbo, who's obviously a sports car. Mm-hmm. Underneath Turbo is the red scooter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now underneath Leader One, you're like what? Which always amazed me. This is Smallfoot. Which is mm-hmm. a like ATVs, no, a like a all-terrain style Jeep. Okay. What the hell is Smallfoot doing on this advertisement? Like it doesn't even make <laughs> sense. Is he not a main character or uh, like a couple of a few episodes, but oh, I mean so they just needed a fourth. 
Yeah, so, yeah, they need the fourth to balance out this screen, so they chose Smallfoot, <laughs> which is very – I always think these these things are interesting. And when you look at the other mm-hmm. GoBots one – I want to bring it all home with GoBots. Sure. So, so the Quick Ad – so the mm-hmm. Quick Ad has a tin of Nestle Quick. Have you ever sure. had Nestle Quick in the tin, Chris? Oh, yes, yes, yes. And I think I'm still picking some of that out of the roof of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so back in the day, if kids don't know what that is, because you're used to syrups now because you're spoiled. Mm-hmm. Right? We had to work with powder, by God. We had powder. So you had this little tin. It had this odd circle thing on the top. Oh, and you had to like stick a spoon in there and pop the thing open. And you had to pop it open. <laughs> like you were opening you... a can of paint. <laughs> right. And listen. And then you had to have your 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 glass of milk, and then mm. you had to put several spoons of Nestle Quick in. Now, mm. if you were a good kid like myself, you'd always add that extra spoon, and then you'd think there wasn't enough in there, so you'd go for that extra one and toss it mm. in until this stuff is literally sticking to the side of the oh, thing, okay. and, it, mm-hmm. and it barely stirs. Like, you got to have another two liters of milk to get this <laughs> thing to stir. There's so much Quick in there, which was delicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway, at the bottom, it shows three different versions. So you had Nestle Quick Chocolate Milk. We didn't have that Nestle Quick Chocolate Milk. Okay. I don't know about you. Did you have yeah. that? Okay. Mm-hmm. And they had There was the, no Yoohoo, but we had we had right. those. And at this time, the Nestle Quick Squeeze, like the actual syrup, that was a brand new thing around this time because, because syrups were everything. Now, did you guys have something called Brown Cow, which was a complete ripoff of Nestle Quick? Or is no. that just Canadian? That might just be Canadian, yeah. We had brown cow, and that that was the that was the predominant that actually put away Nestle Quick back in the day. Do a quick Google Google search yeah. on brown, brown cow and cow check that out. Syrup Canada. Yep. See that? Yeah. Look, look mm-hmm. at that beautiful cow. Now that came <laughs> in that came in strawberry as well. Which okay. Was now about this ad, here's what I wanted <laughs> to talk about: the GoBots themselves that are featured on here. Yes. They're done. In exactly somebody basically took the toys and just literally drew them. So they're not from the cartoon. This is like yeah. exact toy accurate, um, uh, toy accurate More design. realistic, yeah, yeah. Uh, like the real, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I mean, you know, that that's pretty cool. Except the ones that are in the foreground, these 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 large cars that turned into things. Okay, mm-hmm. those were actually super GoBots. Oh, they, they yeah. were large, large scale ones. So the one that's in the foreground there, the blue, the blue car, with the lasers. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that one, that's a that's a super GoBot. And the one right up by leader one over in the corner that's in green, also mm-hmm. a super GoBot. So they were okay. they were they were cars. So they mm-hmm. were and they were garbage because they were they were only seen on the on the cartoon in the background only a couple okay. times. <laughs> well, you had your basics here. I mean, you had your Psykill over there by the quick can. You had a green, a green turbo and a blue cop tour. And then you had leader one, of course, who's red. So I, I love when they do these ads and everything is miscolored, you know what I mean? <laughs> which is which is hilarious. But listen to the prizes. So the grand prize, like I said, was the complete set of GoBots, which mm-hmm. I always wanted. For sure. First, pr- first prize, which is really strange, was one of those garbage messenger robots. And then, mm-hmm. of course... The second prize was one GoBot action figure retailing yep. for about five bucks. <laughs> so there you go. There that's, you that's, go. My, that's my GoBots rant. We're <laughs> out of time. We're done. Let's get into plugs. Sheehan. What are, what sure, are sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, you go first. <laughs> All right. Why not? I've talked enough here tonight. Uh, 
so anyway, you can find me over on the Twitter where we can continue this GoBots conversation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't know why you wouldn't want to. You can hit me up on at Charlton underscore hero over on the Twitter. Um, also, you can also find me. Well, number one, return here and you get to hear me hear more of me over here on the Chris and Reggie Network on uh, Quester Days. But you can find me over on the W2M Network doing some wrestling podcast from time to time because no one else wants to cover AEW besides Chris Bailey. So I'm there <laughs> doing that. Uh, and that's basically what I'm up to. How about that? Very, very good. Very, very good. And uh, as you all know, you can find me right here. <laughs> this is uh, where I do things. X-Lapsin. Uh, X-Lapsin. We've got X-Lapsin. Yes, we've, 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 uh, we've got Essential X-Lapsed. We've got Collected X. There's a lot of X-Lapsed. A lot of X-Things happening. Um, and uh, depending on whether or not I actually get this thing done by the time this episode comes out, there is also a, uh, a Patreon thing that's happening. And uh, I don't have high I don't have high expectations for it, but uh, it's there. <laughs> what, what info do you have? Share it with us. Well, let's see. You can go to patreon.com slash xlapsed. Um, I figured Chris and Reggie or, or Chris's Uninfinite Earth is far too long a name for, for a Patreon page, so it's just xlapsed. And uh, over there you can find xlapsed.1, which is uh, taking a look at some of the off-the-beaten-path mutant stuff in Marvel history. We're starting with Golden Age Namor the Submariner, which... It's my first time reading it, and it is wild. Uh, if you if you nice. thought Namor was a jerk, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Check he's, out those golden ages. He's got the the triangle head. Yes, yes, he is every bit the Ryak in uh, in he's, the day. He's moving buses. He's throwing super destroyers. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't care. This guy is mad at the white man on the earth, mm-hmm. and he's out for blood. And he's also very horny. So uh, <laughs> yes, that. he is. He likes the ladies. <laughs> he does he like the ladies. ladies. He, he is, actually uh, he sets one on fire. He he lets <laughs> he sets one's pants on fire and then he puts it out with his own bodily fluids. <laughs> True story. True story. That, and that is a man. In Marvel Mystery Comics number two, it uh, it happens. <laughs> now but, on this Patreon, what's our, what's our uh, what's our tiers? Do we have tiers? Uh, there are uh, Patreon gives you um, the option to do tiers. I started with two because I okay, don't know cool. what I'm doing. Awesome. Uh, a $3 tier and a $5 tier. Uh, they both basically get the same stuff. <laughs> if, uh, for five, I, you know, I'm cool with uh, doing anything you guys want. Um, one of the things that, that they say is like, offer it up, offer up an AMA and ask me anything. And I'm sitting yeah. here like, who in the hell would want to ask me anything? So, uh, I mean, I ask you, I, I ask you anything right now for free. <laughs> there you go. Wait a minute. Now I got to pay. Now I got to pay you Christian. No, I'd no. answer for free too. <laughs> um, and, and the thing of it is, is, uh, if you do sign up, you won't be charged until the first of the month. Right. I know when, uh, when we had the Chris and Reggie Patreon before you got charged immediately, no matter if it was the day before the end of the month or the first of the month itself. And so you might be charged like twice in the same week. And I, I don't like that. So, we're starting it now, and uh, if you sign up, you ain't gonna get charged until October the first. So if you cool. check it out, you don't like what you what you see, hey, we're still friends. You can leave and not have to worry about anything coming out of your pocket. And if you do stick around, there'll be more stuff coming on the way as well. Now you didn't tell them about the God tier. The God tier. Yes, the God tier. I I, I was gonna tell you about this, despite this being your own Patreon. So <laughs> if for a thousand dollars a month, ooh, Chris ooh. will do you a GoBots episode. Okay, one thousand yeah. dollars. You can have that. <laughs> one thousand dollars, and right. and that's that's American money too. You you give but, uh, my buddy Christian one thousand dollars, and I can guarantee you, I'll give you that GoBots episode. It's true. I'll do and, it. 
we'll do an episode for every figure. It's like <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna open to this up. <laughs> <laughs> now he's a gun, and we're gonna lay it down on the table. <laughs> But other than that, you could find, uh, you know, Chris and Reggie.podbean.com. Chris is on Infinite Earths, Ace Comics on Twitter, and uh, uh, 90s X-Men on the Facebook machine. But, uh, yeah, that is uh, that is me. That is us. And uh, I think that's our show. So um, we would like to thank you all so much for hanging out. Oh, you know, I didn't give the uh, the contact information. If you'd like to get a hold of us for any reason, if you want to talk about GoBots, if you want to talk about nestle quick if you want to talk about um uh, what was that what was that he-man ripoff's name thagar Th- galtar galtar and his uh his mohawked horse hit us up we are you can get us at weirdcomicshistory gmail.com or you can call in and leave us a voicemail 623-396-JERK and uh that's jerk as in like professor x is a uh, and not anything perfect <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that will do it for today. Uh, We would like to thank you all so much for hanging out with us. And until next time, as always, we will talk to you again real soon. See ya!